Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man who was a former tight end wide receiver for the New York Giants, Denver Broncos, Chicago Bears. He won a Super Bowl ring as a starting tight end for the 1985 Chicago Bears. He was a captain of the 1976 Big 8 champion University of Colorado at Boulder Buffaloes. He and his son Aaron hold the distinction of being the NFL's first father and son team to have both played in and won Super Bowls. It is a pleasure to welcome Super Bowl champion Emery Moorhead to 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome Emery, how you doing? I'm doing great tonight. It's, uh, I'm out in Colorado. Beautiful day. Got some yard work done today. <laughs> Always good. Good. So we yeah. mentioned that 1976 Big 8 championship, but you got into two bowl games while there, the Blue Bonnet and the Orange Bowl. How important was playing in those games to your career, and what did you take from your time with Coach Bill Mallory? Well, those games are obviously as an extra game that scouts get to see and uh, you know, a lot more time to practice and get better and senior bowl was my senior year or the uh, orange bowl was my senior year so it was very important to play well and uh, I did play well in that game we played Ohio State it was the first year that the Big Ten had allowed uh, other than the Big Ten champion that went to the Rose Bowl to play in another game and of course in the 70s there were only so many bowl games you know, 10, 11, 12 so if you got to go to a bowl game it was a pretty big deal uh, Coach Mallory who uh, passed away last summer uh, was a great influence on anybody and everybody that he came in contact with because he was pretty straightforward uh, you know you did it his way you did it with discipline you did it with pride and uh, he made everybody better and I was so uh, happy to have an opportunity to play under Coach Mallory uh, because he was very similar to my high school coach and ended up being very similar to Coach Dicka. They all were disciplined coaches. And they all made you uh, do fundamentals. You know, those are the things that you rely on eventually almost every time when you're under pressure. So you mentioned that you played well in the Orange Bowl, and you certainly did. So take me back to draft day. We mentioned in the Open how you're the captain of that team that went to the Orange Bowl. Um, the first day of the 77 NFL draft, five of your Colorado teammates went in the draft. The next day, in the sixth round, with 153rd pick, the Giants picked you. What do you remember about first day of the draft and those guys being picked ahead of you, and then when you were finally picked by the New York Giants? Well, we had we had four guys go in the second round, uh, so it was uh, you know they were just gobbling up Colorado <laughs> players. We had a lot of speed on our team, and uh, so they really were impressed. Our pro day, we didn't have a uh, combine; they had to come out to school. And all they did was run forties. There was no lifting or cone drill or anything like that. They just wanted to see how fast the guys were, and we had a tremendously fast team. Uh, we trained uh, with the track coach. He was a track coach during the January till uh, indoor and outdoor, but he worked with the football team as well in the offseason. So we really worked on our speed. And uh, we had Billy Waddy went to uh, the Rams in the yeah. second round. Mike Davis went to the Raiders. Don Hasselbeck, he was our tight end. He went to New, he went to, uh, geez, was it New England first? I think he went to New England. Yeah. 
and uh, I can't remember the fourth guy, but uh, I remember sitting in my room because back then you had to sit by your phone. <laughs> there was no cell phones. There was no uh, you didn't know when you were coming. And uh, fortunately, the first five days were. I mean, the first day was five rounds, and the Giants picked I think with the fifth pick, and they chose me. Uh, right away the second day, so I didn't have to worry all that long the second day. But overnight was pretty rough. I mean, everybody got drafted. We were high, happy, and uh, you know, high on being drafted. I had to wait another day. And then several other guys went after me as well from Colorado. It was 12 rounds back then. Yeah, it's certainly different than today. And the way you described no combines is just crazy. That It was basically just a 40-yard you know, sprint. You signed a three-year deal with the Giants, $6,500 signing bonus. The Giants were uh, an average team at that time, but your third average—that <laughs> was putting it nicely. But but yeah. <laughs> but in your final year there, they drafted a quarterback, and you got to play with him in his rookie year. Could you foresee that first year? I mean, we're almost in a situation here now in New York where we have two young quarterbacks for both the New York Giants and the Jets. Um, could you foresee what Phil Simms was going to become based on that rookie year? Not, not really, because he came from a small college, Moorhead State, and uh, you know the Giants fan were like, "Who is this? Who is this? You know, he came out of nowhere, basically." And he was number one pick, and I don't remember how many games we won that year before, maybe six. So we were still in the top ten position to pick, and they chose you know the blonde-haired kid out of Moorhead State, and nobody knew who he was, and we still weren't that good. We didn't have a lot of depth. And then eventually, uh, a year later, uh, two years later, you know, they, they got an LT. And that changed the whole, the whole Giants, everything, the attitude, the, you know, everything. And, and Phil Sam started playing better. Uh, they, got, they got better receivers. They, you know, everything just changed. And they eventually, you know, got themselves in the position to win the Super Bowl in 1986. So uh, Phil being drafted in 79, uh, it just took a little bit to build up and get the right people around, get the right attitude. Uh, Parcells came in. Parcells was there when I was there. Uh, but he had to quit at the end of training camp because his wife did not like New York. He was at Air Force Academy before he came to the Giants. Out here in Colorado, and she went to stay in Colorado. And uh, it's kind of ironic that he comes back to New York and eventually was there uh, as the head coach wins a, a championship. Interesting, for sure. You have a one-year stop in Denver where your former Colorado teammate Jeff Knabel was there as well. Then the following season, you move on to your hometown Chicago Bears. What did coming home to play for the Bears mean to you? Well, I was excited, but the year in Denver and my first year in Chicago, all I did was play special teams. Yep. I played kickoff, kickoff turn, punt, punt return, and did everything I could to survive on the NFL roster. And, uh, you know, you have to do that. I mean, you, you, you got to figure out how you can make this team and what you can contribute, no matter what it was. And I for two years, I never caught a pass. I never ran the ball as a running back. I just basically played special teams. And then uh, Coach Dickett came in the next year, and I moved to tight end. And uh, the rest, I guess, is history. I mean, I played another seven years as a tight end and uh, extended my whole thing from just being a, a, a player to actually having a career and playing 12 years. And it's fun now because I see all those giant guys that came over there when I was there, and they 
and that's right after I left, and everybody was talking about me. And then, they, you know, like anybody, they can say, look, 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 look what can happen if you're in the right place at the right time. And that goes with anything in life, whether it's football, work, or, you know, your, your business, getting an opportunity, the right place and the right time is the key. Yeah, it's interesting you said that because I, I looked at, at the baseball, at the football reference and, and saw those statistics, which, which jumped out at me because I remember, you know, those Bears teams under Ditka. So what do you think Mike Soar knew that Coach Armstrong didn't the year prior? Well, a lot, you know, Ditka, I run into, as I was, when I was in Denver, Dan Reeves took over the job after the year I was there. And I was in training camp. And I got cut, the very first cut after the Labor Day scrimmage, and uh, the Bears picked me up. And so I'm going through that whole year with the Bears, same thing like in Denver. And then when I moved to tight end, uh, you know, Dan Reeves and Dick were running buddies. I mean, they were tight partners on the coaching staff because they both had played, they both came under Landry, and now they were both coaching. And uh, they were running buddies, and uh, it could pull me aside several years after into the, my tight end career and says, oh, Dan Reeves is so mad. He didn't he didn't figure out to move me to tight end. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes people see different things, and you see it mostly in college. You know, when a, when a guy's playing running back and they move him to a receiver, or a receiver goes over the defense back and does very well. But this happened to me as a professional athlete, and uh, it was like sitting a round peg in a square groove, you know. It just, it just, it wasn't working. And then when, boom, when it when it worked, it was it was a beautiful thing. You know, you get the chance to be that part of that colorful cast of characters that comprise the '85 Bears. I remember Mercury Morris telling us how Coach Shula showed the '72 Dolphins their loss to the Cowboys the prior year, and obviously we know they went on to be undefeated that year. After you guys lost to the 49ers the year before in the NFC Championship game, Dicka made a point of saying, "Remember this: we're going to be back." How did the team receive that message? Everybody received that message. And the next year, we knew we were going to win because the taste of losing in the NFC Championship, you've never been, and you got spanked. I mean, we lost 23 to nothing. And, uh, you know, fans were talking trash to us in San Francisco, especially our offense. Hey, bring your offense back here. Bring your offense. And uh, this was a rivalry that started and went on for, you know, six, seven years. And the thing is, the thing I like about this rivalry was the 49ers were great offensively. The Bears were great defensively. The 49ers defense was fourth, fifth, sixth in the league every year, but they never got any respect. Our offense led the league in total offense, led the league in time possession, led the league in rushing, uh, led the league in scoring. And so we never got any respect because of our defense. The 49ers defense never got any respect. It is interesting because the, the Bears' offense never got the cred they deserved. And, and one of the never. guys, it's hard to believe that there's a generation of fans that never got to see Walter Payton play. And even more unfathomable, it's been over 20 years since he passed away. Can you tell our audience a little bit about Sweetness, both as a player and a man? Well, as a player, you know, he was one of those guys that led by example. 
He was there every day in practice. He was there every game. He had one game that he missed. That was his freshman year, or rookie year. And uh, he wanted to play, but they didn't let him play. He played 13 years. He played running back. I mean, how much of a stud is that to show up every Sunday for your team? And not only that, he's probably the best overall football player to ever play. I mean, the guy threw 10 touchdown passes yes. from the halfback pass. And uh, he's a great runner, a great receiver. I think he's very high. I'm not sure how high he is now today the way he passed the ball. But when he retired, he was probably second or third all-time in Chicago Bears history of pass receptions. Uh, you know, when, when we had issues at quarterback one year, he played quarterback for us to end the half. Uh, you know, so he was a tremendous football player on the field. Off the field, uh, very generous of his time. I have so many people that said, you know, Walter came here and did this. Nobody was there, no media. He just showed up at my high school team and gave a speech. Or he showed up. My son was in the hospital. He just showed up and uh, visited because he saw it on the news. Those type of things. This guy was, you know, a, a, a unbelievable football player and probably even a better person. And I think it shows his kids are in Chicago. They're both on TV. And they're both are unbelievably uh, just 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 great people. Sincere, uh, they think about other people. Uh, they never put themselves first, and that's a reflection of Walter's life. You know, that's his legacy with his kids, and you know, it shows clearly. And I think everybody's always glad to see them. You've mentioned before how influential that Bears team was on drawing fans to the game of football, not only in Chicago, but just in general, especially women you've mentioned. So with how high profile they were, guys on radio shows getting commercials, how, how important do you think that was for football in general, and how long have you seen those effects still in Chicago with those uh, Bears fans? Well, I'll say this. It changed football forever because people were so much into the Bears because of all the things that we did on TV and radio and all over, everywhere. I was flying to Phoenix every Monday night to do a show in Phoenix. Uh, we were we were everywhere, and people were just excited uh, to see the Chicago Bears. And uh, they also we we would, we did so much stuff after the advertising and marketing and everything like that. And then the year after that, they cut it all out. And the league started taking control of all those type of things to get profits for them. So they really showed the league how to make some money. And then, of course, they took it to a whole other level. Uh, you can't, you, you have to wear shoes that are under contract now. You have to wear, uh, everything is under contract by the NFL now. And it's the product of, you know, the NFL or the product of the Chicago Bears or the New York Giants. Uh, and that's kind of what we did. And that, that just, Every, that's how we everybody knew who we were, and it was it was very special, and it still lasts today. Uh, you know, I just got back from Las Vegas with Jim Colbert, Willie Galt, uh, Matt Suey, Jay Hilgenberg, and Otis Wilson, and it was a madhouse because people wanted to see the '85 Bears, uh, and they were only the best team by USA Today uh, this past year. So it's still something, you know, we that we call it the gift that keeps giving <laughs> because it's been 35 years and guys are still with them, you know, uh, 
I'm trying to, you know, I'm of that age. I'm 59, going to be 60. So I, I that was right in my wheelhouse. The, my, the two guys with me are younger. But it's hard to really explain how ingrained they were into popular culture. I mean, Saturday Night Live had, you know, a, a running gag with uh, Mike Ditka. The yeah. Bears and Mike Ditka. The Bears, yeah, right. Yeah. right. Um, yeah. You know, McMahon, the quarterback, had this whole thing with headbands and the NFL got involved. It, it, was, it was unbelievable. And you loved it. You know, even if you were a Giant fan, you still loved the Bears because of Refrigerator Perry and everything about the Bears was just so that. cool. Yeah. It was just so cool. So, we mentioned the unique father-son Super Bowl accomplishment. You and your son Aaron, who is currently the wide receivers coach for the Eagles. Um, he played for the Indianapolis Colts from 2003 to 2007. Member of Super Bowl 41 winning team over the Bears. Um, I know you were rooting for Aaron, but I have to imagine that was kind of tough You know, rooting against y- your, your former team. So, what, what, which Super Bowl were you more nervous in? The one that you mm-hmm. played in or the one that you watched Aaron play in? Uh, it's, it's no doubt the one that he played in. Every <laughs> game he played in, I was, I was nervous because there's nothing I can do. And, uh, you know, if he makes a mistake, I feel ten times worse than he did. I, if I made the mistake, you know, that was, was on me. But when your kid's out there playing, there's nothing you can do. I think it's more pressure to me, on me, because well, there's nothing that I can do. And I rooted for the Colts because I thought the Colts would be back. I thought the Bears would be back before the Colts would be back. And it just hasn't happened. Uh, you know, Aaron had a special team. It was a team that every year had to get through New England. And uh, it was tough. And then in one year, San Diego got to him in the, in, in the AFC Championship. So it was just... It, it's, it was tough to get through, and they made it one time, and they had a great team. Uh, you know, the defense finally arrived. Uh, I forget the little safety's name, Bob Sanders. He was a five-nine safety yeah. on the Colts' defense, yeah. but he missed a lot of the season. And when he came back for the playoffs, it changed everything for that team. They were winning games, you know, 38-35, 42-31. But when that guy came back, and he started hitting people. It changed the entire defense. And then it was pretty clear that the, the, the Colts were on their way. Emery, thank you so much for taking your time out tonight. It is a well, you know, it's great to be able to talk sports and, and take a break. I hope that oh, yeah. you guys are dealing with it uh, in a safe and, and effective way. We hope that you stay healthy, your family stays healthy. Where can people um, keep up with you on social media to see, you know, what's up with the, the 85 Bears? Uh, I'm only on Facebook. That's the only place I am. And I do post stuff about events that are involved with the Bears. Uh, and just, you know, general good times that I'm having. I've been retired for five years. So I am enjoying life, and I'm grateful to be here. But I'm like everybody else. I'm in a hunker-down mode now, you know. It's just, and the funny thing is, you know, my parents, neither one are alive right now, but they were prepared for this moment like every baby boomer's parents. Uh, they had a you know, pantry full of cameras, <laughs> yeah. and it's so funny that it's happening now. And, you know, I'm ready because I followed their lead. All right. Well, stay safe, and uh, we hope to catch up with you down the road as well. When we, You know what? Every time Super Bowl time comes around, we can always do a Bears retrospective for sure. All right. It's my pleasure. Thank you so, you so much. Great evening. You too. Emery Moorhead, Super Bowl champion. Keep it.